2: Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So, tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. <laughs>
3: Martial arts. <laughs> M saw lots of fights. M A A. <laughs> <laughs> wow! Again, no wow. wow. rehearsal. No rehearsal. How, <laughs> how did
0: we do that?
4: <laughs> wow! Oh, wow! Uh, well, what a what an auspicious way to begin this post-fight show. This post-fights show, because we just wrapped up our second event of the night. Bellator 266, officially in the books. Phil Davis gets the victory over all Romero. A terrific performance, in my opinion. And then a couple hours before that, Anthony Smith just destroyed Ryan Spann. And the man is timeless. He's such a gangster, that Anthony Smith. So I think this is a night of the theme of the main events was put some respect Mm-hmm. On these guys names Because they are undervalued They're underrated And they don't get enough love In my opinion But we're going to talk all about these two cards uh, For a little while with all of you guys So I am Mike Heck Same crew as the pre-fight show We got Alexander Kay Lee joining us I believe he just fired off A scintillating tweet Is that is that accurate AK? Uh, AK, your mic Turn your mic on Oh, the
0: scintillating tweet is coming <laughs> My mic is also on now. Uh, yeah, we got we got fights. Listen, un- un- yeah, under underappreciated uh, fights, I think, and fighters. I guess that's a good, that's as good as good a theme as we're gonna have for tonight. Um, it was not the most eventful evening, but I mean, we got some decent fights, so can't complain, I guess.
4: Yeah, I mean, if we can't complain, I guess that's a good thing. Uh, we also have E Casey Lydon on the ones and twos, just dropping that fiery intro track. How are you, my man? You know, I'm kind of disappointed, Mr. Prince of Positivity. I had a mm-hmm.
3: great night watching fights. Mm-hmm. I thought it was two good cards. I mean, especially the did main card you know? for Bellator. I didn't watch the prelims because I was too busy watching the ultimate fighting. But, um, and even if I was, you know, it wasn't, you know, whatever. But, um, yeah, good night of fights. Excellent. And I, I, think, I think I'm think i just happy because I nailed all my picks. So. Yeah, so yeah, I mean, that was really. That's all we're really here for.
0: I, I did not. That's why. <laughs> where i'm coming from
4: (laughs) (laughs) yeah it was a it was a rough night picking uh picking the ufc that's for sure uh so let's just begin with bellator let's begin with how it just ended because it's fresh on our minds we just saw it phil davis wins a split decision over yoel (laughs) romero Jaron Vallel, my God, this guy should not be allowed to judge fights ever again. I mean, how dare you score that fight? Is he the ref?
3: He's a ref, right? He's he's ref. He's a ref.
4: Yeah, I I remember the Uh, name.
0: Yeah, he is also apparently one of the instructors at John McCarthy's of John McCarthy's command program. Um mm. uh, and, a, and, and, and a pretty, confidence. <laughs> and, 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 and and I mean and, and I see some people referring to him as uh, his almost like sort of his protege. So someone who's worked very closely with Big Sean on you know, scoring and how to teach scoring. So uh, awkward.
4: Awkward. Terrible. Oh, a yeah. horrendous scorecard. And it seems like his name is always attached to the horrendous scorecards. I mean, I, I just I, I don't know what fight he was watching. I just don't know what fight he was watching, but be that as it may, yeah. Phil Davis wins again. I thought it was a fun fight and I thought Phil Davis yeah. had a perfect third round, did what he needed to do. And I've never seen anybody do to you all Romero, what Phil Davis did to you all Romero in that third round. So Casey, you've been saying many times, Phil Davis is the most, un- is may not, I don't know if you said he is the most underrated fighter in MMA, but he's definitely at the top of your list. Did he answer? Did, did he answer a lot of questions? Is it time to stop labeling him as just the boring fighter because his last two fights have been pretty fun. I think so. Um, I I don't know. Like I said before, I think
3: fans have just such a bitter taste of maybe a couple of the bad fights versus Ryan Bader, and um, I probably name a couple other ones too. Yeah, he has had lackluster, entertaining fights. Um, for sure but in terms of just sport and just being a really good mixed martial artist oh man absolutely one of the most underrated fighters in the world um i mean outside of i mean i i have no issue he he absolutely is a top 10 on anyone's um rankings and if you want if you want to call him borderline top five light heavyweight sure he's that good and he like he's like they said I don't know how many fights he's had in his career. I've never seen him honestly hurt or even come close to getting dropped or even nearly finished in a fight. So just I'm just I'm blown away by Phil Davis, how good he is. And um uh, yeah, I get it. He's not the flashiest, most exciting. The freaking crowd was booing Phil Davis. Like who why do you boo Phil Davis? He's he's a nice guy. He's got Mr. Wonderful. And you're booing him. But um MMA fans, you know, they pay their ticket, whatever, do what you want. But um yeah, Romero did. I'm sorry. Um, Phil Davis did exactly what I, was, I thought he was going to do. Um, I know you thought he was going to be kind of, a, I, I think he kind of did both for what we thought. Um, I thought it would be a dominant decision win, um, kind of like what we saw in the first two rounds. And I think, Mike, you thought it would be kind of more of a grindy decision win, which is maybe what you want to call, you could call the third round. But either way, uh, just smart, smart, intelligent fighting from Mr. Phil Davis. And um, it was it was exciting enough for me.
4: Agreed. Ak, your thoughts on Phil Davis' victory and you know where he goes from here? Yeah, I didn't think it was a bad performance at all. I saw
0: a lot. I, I, again, I think a lot of people were kind of preemptively uh, dumping on this fight. I, and I know when it was made, we were all kind of scratching our heads and we said, "This this isn't going to be the best showcase um, for either guy." Certainly for Yoel, there was a lot of fear. He's a smaller fighter. He's dealing with a very high level light heavyweight in uh, Phil Davis, who's like you know. Uh, he wins his fight in a methodical manner. Usually let's, let's put it that way. But again, technical can be enjoyable. And I think we all thought that the second fight with Nemkov was great. Uh, the second Phil Davis, a Nemkov fight was great. And uh, I didn't think this fight was bad at all. I thought it was, I thought uh, maybe it lived up to people's negative expectations, but it, it certainly picked up midway through. Uh, it was competitive in parts of the second round. And then I actually think it's like impressive how Phil Davis controlled the last round. I know top control and like, Constant takedowns can be kind of boring for some people, but when you consider who he was doing it to, to one of the, guy, uh, to a guy with one of the best amateur wrestling backgrounds in MMA, uh, yeah, even given the size difference is impressive. It's impressive. And a guy who's known for being dangerous in the third round, um, Keep in mind, I, I'm a, you know I'm a GSP fan, so watching someone like neutralize someone I've always found uh, interesting in its own way. It's not it's not rock'em sock'em robots. It's not like oh, it's not this like back and forth like momentum swings that we like to see in fights. But I think Phil Davis is becoming really fascinating to watch. So I understand it's not everyone's cup of tea, but I think a strong technical performance like that has to be appreciated. And and I'm not gonna lie, there were moments like where he kind of reminded me of I'm going crazy. I'm feeling I said it's crazy now, but like it's pretty late over here. It's a GSP esque, and the way he controlled the mm-hmm. first bit of the fight, and then went to his wrestling and stuff to kind of to kind of seal it. I thought that was really impressive. So, I enjoyed the fight. I did not think it was bad at all, and I'm I'm a little surprised to see um, some people on social media and a lot of people saying like, "Well, that was like that was as boring as we expected." I'm like, it was. I thought it was a good fight. You know, if it was the other way around,
3: sorry, if it was Romero doing that, I. I swear, people won't say the same thing. It's just there's. Yeah. I, th- I feel like there's You're such a, a a kind You're of a crazy. bias toward Phil Davis. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, I actually had a friend over here watching it, and she was like, "Why are they booing Phil Davis?" I was like, "Because they don't want him to win. They're there for Yo Romero." I mean, that's. I mean, if that was Conor McGregor holding down Nate Diaz, you know, or something, you know, or something like you know, a fan favor holding down someone, they would be yeah, but. You got there. There for some reason, everyone loves Joe Romero and that's cool. But um, yeah, that's why I just take that. It has was media were, Are media members kind of poo pooing it, or is it more mostly just
0: kind of fans? Kinda I saw kinda, I saw a few people in the media. I saw mm-hmm. people in the media saying saying it was it wasn't it wasn't a, it wasn't a fight worth watching or something like that, or or it was, it was what they expected, but like in a negative way. And I'm like. Hmm.
4: I don't know yeah, if that's the good. Second round. The second who, round was really fun. But who has done that to Romero?
0: Real.
3: Who has done that to Romero? What, 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 fight, what fight are they talking about? We expected that. We haven't seen this before. Romero fought very Romero esque fight, and Phil Davis won.
0: Like he, yeah. he, it's not know. a fight of the year. We're not saying no. it's like a fight of the year, Ken. Or it wasn't, wasn't one no, it
3: was tonight. It wasn't one
0: tonight. <laughs> yeah, but it was. A, it was a really g- a strong performance again from a guy that Casey's been saying has has been overlooked almost for probably, probably for too long. And um, yeah, I'd be happy to see him fight Nemkov again. Not next, but mm-hmm. sometime in the future. I'd love to see that a, a third fight between them. Uh, he's he's a really high level uh, light heavyweight and, and and really competitive. So I mean that should be celebrated.
4: You know, not not just he's he's not boring. I don't think Phil Davis is boring at all. So here's here's pretty much like the the example of all of this. So I tweeted out essentially like put some respect on Phil Davis's name. That was a great performance, and someone replied to me. He just fought a 44 year old fat middleweight who hasn't fought since he was 42. Like totally discrediting Phil Davis. First of all, when has anyone ever called Yoel Romero fat? That is, a man, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Are you kidding me? Fat Yoel Romero has never been used in the same sentence unless you drop a ph in there describing <laughs> what he wears, the wardrobe that he that he brings to the table. But Wing- I think, thick, I thought comes was very thick. Two C's. That's about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but that's great
0: performance that's from five, Phil like- Davis. That's classic, like, the main negativity. There's a problem with, like, instead of celebrating one person's performance, the instinct, uh, like, the first inclination is to find a way to crap on both guys and i'll never understand that uh I, I mean unless it's a truly terrible fight where you know both guys really just didn't put in their best effort which i think we rarely see at the bellator and ufc level um i i'll never understand why we can't just give someone credit why does it have to be instead of like instead of oh this guy, how like you know what was so great about this guy's win it's always the emphasis on well what was so bad about that guy's loss you know why, why you know why did that guy lose and like I'll, i don't understand the mentality and it's like if that's how you approach fights like this, I would say take a break from MMA if you can, uh, and then come back. Maybe maybe you're just burnt out. Maybe you've just seen too many fights. Um, yeah, I think Phil Davis's efforts to be celebrated. I didn't think Yuval Romero looked terrible. Again, I thought he ran into a really good opponent, a big bigger opponent, younger opponent, really skilled opponent. He had his moments in the second round. Um, uh, he lost the fight. I don't or I don't think I don't Romero's rushed. I think we've said before. I think 185. If he can still make it it'll look great.
4: I, I say celebrate Phil Davis tonight. Yep, and Davis again. Like we like we talked about in the preview show, no no matter what happened tonight, he's still going to be headlining cards every time he fights. There's options for him. We got the I, like if Corey Anderson loses to Ryan Bader, Phil Davis versus Corey Anderson is interesting. Uh, even if Bader loses, you can run that one back. Hopefully, it's a more exciting fight. So Davis is going to have some options. Romero title hopes probably not really there, but. He's got options as well. So there you go. Romero's debut is in the books. Phil Davis wins again. He's or back in the wind column. Let's talk about oh, real quick the before, knockout artists. Oh, go
3: ahead. Oh, before we we have actually we have uh Shaheen's about to jump on, so give me a moment, real, real quick. Oh, he, oh okay. yeah, he's about to jump on, but I gotta do some camera stuff. But before okay. we go get off this main event, two questions. Coming into this, I was wondering. Is when is Romero going to be old? Was tonight's performance an old Romero? And did Bellator make a mistake booking this fight at all, I mean, from the from the get go, I thought this fight from the get go was a high risk maneuver from the promotional standpoint. So, you mean you saw the fans? The fans wanted Romero to win, so from a promotional standpoint, you would think you know, you set up Romero. And to me, this fight when it was booked, I mean, there was such a low in my, in my opinion. There was a very low probability that Romero was going to beat though Davis tonight. So, what do you guys think about those two questions?
4: Um, I mean, I, I thought the matchmaking was a little questionable, especially if you're bringing in your Romero and you know throwing him in the Grand Prix, putting him in there with Rumble. Like that's the fight everybody wanted to see. I think Bellator just kind of caved in to what everybody wanted and made that fight. But yeah, I I wasn't a big fan of the matchup. Like, if if you're a Romero fan, I don't. I think you were like excited to see him fight again because you haven't seen him fight since the Adesanya fight. But I, I think you're probably scratching your head like, Ew, this is not a great fight. And in terms of the old thing, I don't know. Like, I, I just it's hard. He he got such a late start, and I feel like we've seen the same guy for so many fights. Like I I mentioned in the previous show, like this had romero weidman feelings to me where davis would win the first two rounds and then romero would have to get a finish in the third but i thought davis would have a, a higher fight iq if you will and that's exactly what he did so the fight kind of played out the way that i thought it would i thought it'd be a little more grindy i, I didn't think davis would stand as much as he did with Rio Al, but but good on him so i don't know if we're, uh, if i'm ready to call romero like completely old i just feel like he's the same guy you know what I mean? What, what are your thoughts on that, AK? Oh wait, wait,
3: yeah, Why, wait, wait. Why don't we hear from this gentleman?
4: Oh, let's hear from uh, fellow bald brethren, Sean Elshadi, joining us. This is this is a delight. This is a a welcome <laughs> surprise. Sean, how are you, my friend? And uh, your thoughts on Casey's two part question there? If you heard it all,
1: I'm, I'm doing great, guys. Glad to join. Uh-huh. Sorry for the delay. Uh, but yeah, Casey, I mean that's a. I think that's a great question, both of them, and it's hard to say, right? Because in terms of old Yo, Yoel Romero, to me, this just felt like Yoel Romero, right? Like, I didn't feel like there was any difference tonight with how he fought Izzy, with how he's fought a lot of his UFC fights. This is what he does. He's a slow starter. It's very difficult for him to sort of get out of second gear until he gets into that third round, fourth round, fifth round. That's why we, the legend of third round Yoel Romero is so fierce, right? It's because it kind of takes him to this far to get into it, and you could feel it in that third round. He was starting to feel the urgency a little more, and I believe him when he says he didn't know that it was going to be five rounds. I mean, that he was fighting like someone who felt like he had three more rounds to go, two more rounds to go. Um, in regards to the other question, though, I, you're 100% right, Casey, and I, I've sort of thought that from the start. I would agree with Mike here. The matchmaking on this just... I don't know what Bellator was thinking other than like I, I understand the idea of like let's obviously people want to see Yoel, let's rush him into some sort of fight, any fight. And Phil's a, a former UFC guy, he's been in Bellator for a lot longer than I think we even realize at this point. Mm-hmm. They were saying like six years on the broadcast, which feels crazy what? to me. But
3: okay, wow, okay.
1: <laughs> right? Like, how is that a, how we're all getting way too old? Yeah, like, yeah. This is not this is not cool. <laughs> we, over the UFC, we have people competing who are born in the two thousands. Yeah. Like, I'm just not ready for whatever. <laughs> <laughs> this feeling old every saturday is going to be. Let's move on. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> move on from yeah. But I but I I take risks cuz you're right. Phil Davis is one of those guys who like he is perennial under perennially underrated to a extreme degree simply because he's boring. Right? Like people don't really want to tune in to watch mm-hmm. Phil Davis cuz you kind of know what you're going to get. But the dude wins, for the most part, the majority of his fights, and he wins them in kind of the same way. You really kind of knew what you were going to get into when you book someone like Yoel, who's a slow starter, who can have these very unexciting fights until they are exciting all of a sudden. You book him against somebody like Phil, Like, there's a, you run that back 10 times. I think maybe one of them would be exciting, but the other nine are probably going to be pretty boring, pretty grinding, like what we saw tonight. I don't know. If, if you're trying to introduce Yoel to, to your brand new audience, like that's not the way. Right. Like you book him up against somebody he's just going to smash. And then all of a sudden you can point to this crazy monster looking human being and just be like, look at what we got rather than, than something like we got tonight. I, I think they absolutely drop the ball when it comes to booking. And also, I will just add, it's time we probably start like respecting Phil Davis more just in general. Like I think we, this is a broader conversation, but even among our own team for the rankings that we have, the MMA fighting global rankings. Like there are a lot of people on that eight man panel who just don't even have Phil Davis in their top 15 at light heavyweight which is crazy to me I have him up there but like you look at his his run as he's been in Bellator his only real losses are to be Nemkov and Ryan Bader right like other than that dude is just out here winning and again it's just and two competitive
3: wins. losses too they weren't like just I got blown yeah. out yeah two competitive losses so you got it, yeah. two
1: of those three were split decisions yeah. like, like he is just generally in all of these fights he's one of the best uh, light heavyweights in the world but again we just discount him because he's boring and that's sort of the way it goes but uh, yeah I I I did not get what bellator was doing with, with matching this up
4: i'll tell you what man romero threw a couple of those front kicks that were real close to changing the entire complexion of that entire fight that guy is just such a ninja he was very close to landing some of those push kicks but ak your thoughts on this
0: well, I will say the one thing uh, I, I don't know—I can't remember where I have Phil Davis ranked in my my own rankings. I, I'm pretty sure I have him in there. I, I could be wrong. I, I might not have him in the top fifteen. Um, yes, he like, and we kind of talked about this before. in previewing this card, he he hasn't—he's only lost to really great fighters. It just feels like he hasn't had a win over a great fighter uh, in a, in a while. I think, and again, this is subjective, right? Like. How do you view the wins over like a Liam McGeary, a Linton Vassal compared to like guys that, you know, are fighting in the UFC, you know, kind of mixing up the UFC, like the Johnny Walkers and the Anthony Smiths and things like that. So, I mean, look, if you if, if just based on how you see him perform, you want to say Phil Davis is a, like a top six, top seven light heavyweight. I don't blame you, but I also don't blame fans who might question like the strength of schedule like uh, Romero. I think is maybe like the, maybe the biggest name he, he had the win over Machida as well, but Romero, maybe right now the biggest name he's beaten in a while. Um, even though it's a guy who's not a light heavyweight, he is a middleweight. That's just returning to this division for the first time in friggin' forever. Uh, so, so the, the, there is something you said about, uh, a uh, question like his, his level of competition, but again, um, People who want to rank him higher, I don't blame. I don't blame them at all. Uh, these mm-hmm. do tend to be eccentric. I am guilty of that as well. Um, but yeah, I do. I you know, I think we just need to see him either win the big one, as it were. You know, conquer that Nemcover or Bader mountain, or you know, just keep racking up wins in, in Bellator against named guys. I, I do wonder how the perception will shift now that he's beaten Romero. Because I know there's a lot of respect for Romero still, but he is kind of he is a middleweight. People are suddenly saying like, oh, maybe he's old now. Um, and again, and as as that is relevant, that people said, oh, was it a boring performance? Which I don't think it was. But you know, th- these are all things people can am- ammunition people can use against Phil Davis. Unfortunately, all I'm uh, saying
1: it um, all I'm saying is in two weeks when we redo our the next round of the rankings. Y'all better have Phil Davis in the top 15 at light heavyweight, because this is ridiculous at this point that yeah. this man wasn't in there I, for many I, of you guys. He's, I, right, I, I got to check number my nine. He's the number am I, nine.
0: Am I, am I in this? Wait, am I getting yelled at? Hold on. I'm going to yeah. check my rankings out. Am I getting yelled at? Like, <laughs> Is he not in my rankings?
1: I can't say. I don't know. Off the all top right, of my well. head,
0: anybody. In that, in that case, sir, simmer down. Let me... <laughs> Let me check.
1: <laughs> I'm saying the Royal We, right? Like the Royal Y'all, oh, like in Lord. general, the eight man
3: panel better all have him in
1: the top 15. Oh, That's all. Uh,
3: all, I, all I know is that the best 205er who fought tonight, his name is Phil Davis. That's all I'm saying. Well, well, actually, the second best. The, per- the best one was called Big Tuna. So.
1: I was going to say, there's <laughs> yeah. some Big Tuna <laughs> disrespect big going on right <laughs> now. I'm yeah. not here
3: for big tuna. If, if Big Tuna is not in your top 15, oh. <laughs>
4: <laughs> Just <start laughs> throw Tuna in there with Yoel next. <laughs> give, give Tuna that fight. Yes. Thank you.
3: That's all. Oh, I have, that's I have, that's all. all. Big Tuna, well, I had Phil was a 10th.
0: I had Phil was a 10th. Yo. I had Phil was a 10th. I don't want nobody yelling at me. I had Phil was number 10 in my rankings, so
1: one last well, point on this because i I'll don't know ahead. if we're gonna get to it but a so i had people look this up for me on twitter if you had parlayed oh. neiman grace D, round one ko with big Tuno round one ko and bet a hundred dollars on
3: it wait, wait let me just a hundred dollars how
1: how much do you think that would have paid
3: oh, like man. if you haven't seen it or hundred dollars right? um it's gotta pay at, at least at least 10 grand i don't know
4: <laughs> I don't any know. other guesses i already saw it so i can't guess what is it it's way higher than ten grand.
1: Seventy-seven thousand dollars and eight hundred. Oh, and eight hundred thousand eight hundred dollars. So almost seventy-eight k for a hundred dollar bet on those two men. Seventy-eight wow. k.
4: I hope someone did that. Absolutely yes, zero no, people did that. Zero. Did that. If somebody did that, we will invite them on the next preview <laughs> yeah. show because that is impressive. I want to see the ticket. I want to see it all. But that is that that is some impressive gambling. If if you parlayed both of those for first run chaos, let's let's talk real quick before okay. we go to the UFC. I mean, big tuna is awesome. I think we could wax quite <laughs> yeah. Just go just just go to our Twitter page at M.A. Fighting and just look at the three and a half minute clip of big tuna, and you'll know everything you need to know. What a win! Huge upset win. But let's talk about. The knockout artist, Neiman Gracie, Sean Alshadi. What did you think of that? Because if you could have if we could have guessed any, you know, five, ten ways that fight could have ended. First round knockout, I don't think any of us could have could have seen that coming against especially against a guy who's got a pretty good striking background and yeah. Mark Lemminger, that was impressive, was it not? Oh,
1: absolutely. I mean, a guy who was coming in here, I think he was undefeated, right? Like mm-hmm. he was making his, he was kind of new to Bellator, but he was coming in with a pretty good pedigree. Uh, and of all the outcomes that you could have asked for, I don't think anybody would have called that one. Neiman Gracie, man, he's been quietly doing it now for a while in Bellator. Uh, he's starting to become something really interesting, right? Like you saw it tonight, the, the, what they have him doing over there. Uh, I, I, oh, the, his coach's name escapes me at the moment. Somebody give it, give it to me. Uh, Neiman Gracie? His coaches, yeah, Rafael uh, Cordero, Cordero. Yeah. That's right, that's right. What he, what they have him doing out there with Cordero, man. Like he looked good tonight. Like that uppercut, that finishing combo looked like someone who actually knew how to strike. Right, like that wasn't some lucky, you know, shot that he was landing. He was mixing it up pretty well in there. And you combine that with what we already know about him with the ground game, the, the, just a the savant on on the mat like that. He's kind of turned it into something really surprising that I think none of us quite expected. It was really interesting to see. And it's it's always cool. I've said this before, but it's always cool when you can sort of see these guys, these younger guys coming up, and then sort of that switch flip in real time on them, where they kind of like figure out other aspects of the game that you know they've been working on. I think we just did that tonight and saw that from Neiman Gracie.
4: AK, he called out two guys after this victory. He called out MVP, who's getting ready to fight Douglas Lima. very soon and then he also called out Jason Jackson he wants that rematch he felt like he got hosed and I think other people would agree with him on that but in my opinion he's probably going to get the title shot against Yaroslav Amasov because that just seems to be the direction they're going right now so if you're the Bellator matchmakers how do you book Neiman Gracie moving forward does does he wait for one of those two guys at this point or do you just try to keep this guy at the at the center and and just keep throwing him out there and trying to knock dudes out (laughs) <laughs> we got to find a power of matchup now for K1 Neiman right um,
0: yeah it, you know it's funny. Neiman is like he has he's such a the Gracies you know ever since of course like you know the glory days of Hoist and, and some of the other guys They've had uh, checkered results in uh, MMA and actual MMA, if we're being generous. So it's funny. He's always like he's been cut from a different cloth, cloth kind of ever since he burst onto the Bellator scene. Um, both even personality wise, there's there's he stands out from the family, and I think that's great. Um, I don't know. I mean, I would love to see him fight MVP. I just think that Bellator w- is not going to go in that direction. Uh, I, I, I mean, people can bring up all they want. The whole you know, MVP's kind of had some favorable matchmaking um some of it you know is out of their hands he's had some opponents fall out but i do think this is one matchup they would want to avoid uh at least at least as far as what's next for neiman gracie maybe sometime next year they get cross paths depending uh how the results of their next fights go but i don't know if that's the next one they make i i think you're right mike i think they um they maybe just push him into that title shot with uh with uh, Amasov, I think it's a good stylistic matchup, at least as far as being two, theoretically two guys you know who will who will give you some entertaining uh, stuff on the ground. Um, but I also think they're both again Amasov's really well rounded. I think Neiman showed that he's a little more well than the people expected. So yeah, I think it's, I think it's a sellable fight. Um, does Amasov not have a tele defense already scheduled?
4: No, no I think I, I think they'll th- throw him in there with Jason Jackson. That kind of seems like the direction they're going after that card and that's not oh, that's all oh, right right and that's not official yet that's not official yet now oh, okay okay i see i see i see yeah yeah
0: right yes okay so i would say i would say neiman should wait then. yeah I, i'm i'm on the neiman gracie wait wait to see wait to see what
4: happens there. train casey your thoughts on the co-main event
3: i was just i was just kind of shocked that's all i was like <laughs> that was like i like everything shane said that was a it, that wasn't that wasn't that wasn't striking from a grappler that was striking from a, a, a very good striker you know what i mean like it wasn't like it wasn't like um Leminger was like waiting for a takedown and he came in over over top or anything like that it was just straight up good striking good elbow good uppercut perfect timing you know that's all i was just like whoa neiman gracie is much better he is improving and it's pretty cool watching fighters improve with such a big spotlight on him. so uh good job mr gracie that's all yeah, he is no, he wanna... is a force to be reckoned with um i'm not sure how good he is in the worldwide kind of welterweight rankings but uh without a doubt right now in bellator um yeah he's a he's a tough out for a tough out for everyone at the top i want i want i want to see him fight i want to see him fight more i want to see him fight J- jackson again i want to see him fight amasov um did he fight lima i forgot I, my my no he hasn't uh, fought lima yet he hasn't no. fought lima yet okay uh Oh, yeah, he fought for the title against uh, Rory. That was a, that's what it was. I know he fought for the title. which was a surprisingly competitive fight. I thought, like, I thought was it was very competitive, game. yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, and then yeah. He, healed, he healed John Fitch right afterwards. You know? Yeah, so Neiman um, Gracie is awesome, and um, yeah, can't wait to see him back.
4: Yeah, I like again, the loser of the Lima MVP fight seems seems like the right way to go. Two big names—that's the way to go. Because you feel like if MVP beats Lima, his next oh, fight's going to be for the belt uh, yeah. against whoever who it is. So, uh, good win for Gracie. Uh, nice win for Deanna Bennett. Oh, great! Kind of sucks she missed weight, yeah. but she looked really good in the fight. Uh, Saul Rogers, workmanlike decision over a really tough guy in Georgie Karkanian and uh, Big Tuna kicking off the main card in big a big way a big upset over. Christian Edwards that was not supposed to happen, <laughs> but it did. There are a lot of upsets on this card. Uh, yeah, even on the yeah I was going to say, I thought
0: like Murtazaliev losing to Anthony Adams would be like the biggest upset of the night before the the Christian Edwards uh, loss happened. I was like, because that Murtazaliev, I think it was like a, almost a five to one favorite, uh, yep. and Adams won a decision. I was like, oh crap! Like, well, there, I was like, there's your big bell tour upset of the night, and then and then a big tuna came out and just smashed everything. Yeah. <laughs> okay,
3: yeah, Dude, so, I don't, I don't. Go for it, Casey. Oh, okay. I was I was just saying Bellator two sixty six, the main card at least, had no business being to me being this entertaining. I was I was just like, <laughs> All right, I'll just watch the main event, and everything, whatever. let me see Lars walk out, that's cool. But I was like, I had I had actually a really enjoyable time watching the main and I was I was kind of shocked after watching all the UFC fights and Bellator came on. I think it was because it was different it was, the crowd felt I, I thought I thought even though obviously it wasn't like a sold-out arena or anything but the crowd that was there I felt really added a lot and um it was just it was just hearing like from the six fans at the UFC apex to like you know whatever crowd of the, the eight, uh in San Jose it was just it was it was a nice it was just a nice night for Bellator I was surprised they over they um overachieved tonight a bit.
1: What? One more thing on on the upsets. You guys were mentioning the upsets. I don't know what it is with Bellator, but it feels like like if you looked back on the last 5 years of like upsets that were like plus 1000 type of underdogs or more, I feel like 2 out of every 3 of them had to be in Bellator. Uh-huh. Like it, it's something what about that- the Bellator cage and the promotion and maybe the because they do do a lot of showcase fights, mm-hmm. so that kind of yeah. sets up maybe those stakes, but like most of the big like high level maximum like odds type of upsets in the in recent history seem to happen in Bellator it's pretty yeah. crazy man yeah, well, I mean,
0: it's it's the way they build their fighters and the way yeah. they match make it's expected for these to be showcase fights but if you look at the top i think if you look at the top 20 uh, biggest upsets in like MMA history uh, i don't know how updated those are these days but if you look at it i think like more than half the list are Bellator fights because you have stuff like like Kimbo Slice being uh, junior excuse me Kimbo Slice junior being like a minus 800 favorite and like his fourth pro fight. And it's like, what? It's like, why?
1: Yeah, it's it's <laughs> these fighters where we just don't have a lot of information yeah. on them. Yeah. Right. Like it's kind of like everyone, b- both people involved are very new. Like I remember being in the arena when Bubba Jenkins lost to I can't even remember, yeah, remember the yeah. guy that he LaRue lost Burley. to. LaRue Burley. LaRue Burley. That's right. <laughs> yeah. uh, that was in Arizona. Great. We're memory. talking Lou to Burley <laughs> tonight. Who knew? <laughs> Great memory on that <laughs> well, Mike but yeah it's just uh, in Bellator it seems to be a very consistent thing but again I think that just goes to the matchmaking philosophy yeah
3: because I, yeah, I think they, they have these long-running pro- Bellator history too yeah these big prospects and a lot of times they'll bring in these regional guys you just n- never heard of basically not saying they're not good you just haven't heard of them so when they do win the betting lines obviously competitive wise it was probably always closer but betting wi- betting line wise yeah I get it yeah
1: and obviously, like ninety-nine percent of those showcase fights go the way that, they, yeah. <laughs> that everyone
3: expects. It's just the ones, the one percent that we. I, I don't I, remember. But you know what? But then you get these magical moments, like Big Freaking Tuna. That's all. You just get magical moments like Big Tuna. And now we're gonna see Romero versus Big Tuna. <laughs> I, I, I booked it already. <laughs> Big
1: Tuna out here just dropping space coast ghost to go, coast to coast references in his post fight. I love it.
4: That guy is a just a treat. Uh, so and, great and, win for and, him. And, and one more thing about Big
3: Tuna. Just, I applaud any man
4: that's willing to,
3: <laughs> he's basically, okay. I, Where's he, this about to go? <laughs> he's a man that, that probably should swim with a shirt on type of guy. And so like, the fact that he, he would get half naked in front of a giant arena and just throw down with like these chiseled beasts across the cage from them. I just like... Mad respect for these gentlemen. Mad respect. <laughs> I, mean, I, I, saw, I saw the promo photos that Bellator sent out. I was like, oh, boy. <laughs> you know? But the,
1: the first thing that guy did after after his win was he rushed to Twitter and called everyone busters yeah. like that's fantastic. Like that is a way we get to this in our, our MMA fighting slack, but that is a way underutilized insult. And I'm here <laughs> for calling people busters after you do something <laughs> like that. Like, that's fantastic.
4: Yeah. Biggest stock rise of the day. No doubt about it. It was big tuna. No doubt. Uh, So that was Bellator. Fun card.
2: What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prof G podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to The Future of Entrepreneurship, of Prop G Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, The Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th.
4: Anthony Smith closed the show with a first-round submission win over Ryan Span. This was one-way traffic from start to finish. Anthony Smith looked tremendous. And uh, mm. we didn't get to really hear the first half of his post-fight interview with Michael <laughs> Binsving. But uh, he was fired up. He called out Alexander Rakic. Seems like Rakic is in for that. And I think we got a fight brewing for maybe December, probably in a main event of a fight night card. So, Sean, we'll begin with you. Anthony Smith, this guy, as we talked about on our preview show... He's experienced the highest of highs, the lowest of lows, not just in the UFC, but all around the country, around the world. This guy's been doing the damn thing for a long time to see this guy, you know, in some tough spots, a couple bad losses, come back and win three in a row the way he has. What are your thoughts on Lionheart, what he's been doing and what he did tonight to Ryan Spann?
1: Man, I mean, first of all, just what a unique cat he is, right? Like what a unique character he is for MMA. His, I think McCasey. maybe you said something about this tonight, of just how unique his road has been and sort of everything that he's gone through and the honesty that he sort of brings to all of it, right? Like he always feels like very genuine when he's speaking. I absolutely adore what he has been able to do over the last year. Like I, they keep throwing him these tough, tough up-and-comers and he's not complaining and he just keeps beating them back with a ferocity and with an ease that is just consistent impressive like it, tonight was absolutely fantastic and, and at this point he has now five first round finishes since 2018 That's tied with Vicente Luque for the most in the UFC during that stretch and he just quietly goes about his business and, and, and does this sort of thing man like they were talking about today on the broadcast about him growing into the light heavyweight division and like the actual size that he's been gaining and things like that and you can really tell like it was shown tonight like what he has done over the past year and change since he lost that really terrible fight against Rakic rackage coming back against all these young up and comers, building his body up to this division, just taking on these challenges and doing it a- in a workmanlike fashion, but also just on the side, really still improving. Like he, is, we call him such a veteran, right? How 52 fights or something like that, but he still gets better. Every time we see him out there, he's tough as all nails. And it, I, I just love the chip that he's carrying on his shoulder right now, like the saltiness. And we saw it come out right after he, he won because he's absolutely right. He still doesn't get that respect for whatever reason it is. And I wonder if it, a, a large part of it is just the record of you see some a guy with 16 losses, you kind of assume he's probably not you know, one of the best in the world, but it's just that record is so deceiving because so many of those losses were so much earlier in his career. He was a different person back then. He deserves so much more respect than he gets in this light heavyweight division. He genuinely at this point is probably like one win away from really fighting for that title against whoever, you know, comes out of that mix. I, I absolutely love it. And I love that he booked his, his next fight in the cage, basically, with that rematch against Rakic. I thought it was a 10 out of 10 night for Anthony Anthony Smith.
4: I would agree. And AK, what, what, what's funny about Anthony Smith is people look at the Rakic fight, and I feel like that was. The big downfall Like that was the one Where you have to look In the mirror And, and readjust And a lot of people Look at the Glover To share a fight But a lot of people Forget that In the first like Eight minutes of that Fight against Glover people are saying, like, this is the best Anthony Smith we've ever seen. Like, the way he was throwing volume and moving around, showing a lot of quickness, he just kind of burnt himself out, and then Glover took over, and then we remember what happened after the fact. The fight should have been stopped, should it have not been stopped. Who's to blame? The referee or the coaches, yada, yada, yada. But this man just looked himself in the mirror, got back after it, And now look at him Three wins in a row He's got a big fight With Rakic If he wins that Like Sean said He's in a very good position Especially now that John Jones is no longer In the light heavyweight division Could this guy be fighting For a title in the next year Is this possible Could we be seeing Anthony Smith fight For a light heavyweight title This By this time In 2022 Yep. What's what's not to like? He's a company man. He does broadcasting
0: for the UFC. He finishes fights. They trust him as a main eventer. He's main evented how many fight? I think like unless he's on pay per view, he's main evented like seven fight nights in a row or something. Five or like six, six, seven, six. I can't count. Seven. <laughs> he's main evented like <laughs> seven fight nights in a row. Oh, plus and, and UFC two hundred thirty five. He did uh, he main evented against uh, John Jones. So he's also main evented pay per view. He's a very well liked. Uh, trusted name in the promotion. He's very professional. Um, he's great on the mic uh, when he's not swearing. I mean, uh, I don't know if you guys had it bleeped out on, on ESPN Plus, but up here in Canada, uh, his words were a little too sensitive for our censors, and uh, we heard almost nothing. Yeah. in his book. But he was worked up. He was obviously very emotional after that fight. And that's another thing people like. So um, he, he wears his heart in his sleeve. You guys said mm-hmm. he's honest. Um, we kn- we feel like we know who Anthony Smith is, and that's a big. I think that's a big thing for the UFC and for ESPN when they're trying to market somebody. So, yeah, uh, especially with John Jones out of the picture, as mentioned, uh, it, it, there's no reason he can't be one impressive uh, performance away from a from a title fight. It's he. it's kind of goes with the grander discussion we were having before of like when guys lose fights, like his losses to Rakic, his loss to Shera. Uh, we focus on the negatives. We focused on, oh man, he was like you said, the last three rounds of the fight with Shera, not the first two rounds. And it's like losing to Glover to being outclassed by like Glover to is not a shame. Glover to is an elite light heavyweight. I'd say maybe one of the ten best light heavyweights of all time. There's no shame in that. Rakic is an up and comer. He's on his way to a title shot as well. And John Jones is John Jones. So. Losing to these guys does not make you a bad fighter. Um, there's certainly holes that you see exposed and reasons to think this guy you know, has to fix some, some things up. But he's clearly still good enough to beat a certain tier of competition. And not just beat them, but outclass them. This is three first-round finishes now, including the uh, the Jimmy Crute injury. So, um, yeah, it's not unreasonable at all that he'd be fighting for a title. Is it the UFC's number one choice? Is it the number one choice for a lot of fans out there? Maybe not. But, again, the way this guy fights, the way he finishes people – he's kind of taking that choice out of other people's hands and he's put it back in his own hands and that's what's so great about him right
1: real real quick one other thing too I want to add just to follow up on that is do I think what I find most impressive about his whole story at this point in particular is just like you look back maybe like four or five years ago, right? When he first started, Anthony Smith really first started coming up in the ether and we started being aware of who he was and, and hearing his name and, and anticipating his fights. And he was winning those fights, but he was winning those fights in such a different fashion than he's winning now, right? Like you go back to the Andrew Sanchez, the Hector Lombard, like all of these fights where he's getting his ass kicked for basically the entirety of it. And then his, just his heart really pulls him through in, in you know, the final minutes or, and he pulls off some late comeback or something like that. That's not how he's winning anymore. Like you look at these last three, all three of them, first round finishes and all three of them just thorough in their domination. And even like you said, AK, the, the first couple of rounds of that Glover to fight, which is also very thorough in, in Anthony's favor. Like he has really become a complete fighter under our noses. And it's so much fun to watch compared to where he was just even three, four years
4: ago. Casey your thoughts on the main event and and, and one thing that kind of drives you a little crazy and, and I'm glad Anthony Smith gets the main events and the more and, and the money and stuff but Return of the Mac just hits so much harder when <laughs> oh. there's fifteen thousand people in the arena. Does it not, Casey? I mean, good yeah. lord! Like when he came out for the Jimmy Crude fight, I mean, it woke me up. It put I was ready to go. I was like, yes, fans, this is awesome. This is tremendous. To hear it come out in the Apex, it's just not the same when eighteen people are clapping for you. Like it's, it's just not the same. Yeah, I honestly I would. I I kind of miss it's
3: either do no fans or I, actually I'm kind of in agreement with Dana on this either no fans or kind of or at least half capacity or something when there's like 15 people there it's just weird um, that's all but um uh, what's the question just about Anthony Smith uh yeah quick story about Anthony Smith. Um, when he came back to the UFC um, after originally getting cut from the UFC people people forget that he was in the UFC and got cut I mean, remember he came, he, he kind of came over from the Strike Force he was in the
1: UFC for one fight, one right. fight. he lost right. one yep. fight and, and he got and he lost
3: by knee bar yeah. like, in the first round yeah. <laughs> and I, I remember watching that i remember him losing to Roger, Roger Gracie on the very final Strike Force card And then, you know, I was surprised he came over and he lost his first fight in UFC. UFC released him. And then he loses his first fight in the regional circuit, too. So, for 99% of professional fighters, you're done. Like, yeah, you might fight regionally for a while. But, like, as far as getting to the, you know, the big show, you know, the the UFC or any any big promotion, you're pretty much done, I would say. Um, But he worked his way back. And when he came back, I remember he beat... beat, um, did he actually lose his first fight back when he, in his first return? No, fight he won. He okay, he won. won then, then he lost his second fight to yeah, Cesar Ferrer. But I remember when he beat Andrew Sanchez. It was a great comeback fight. It was still when he was at 185. And I talked to him off camera, and I told him, I was like, I got to tell you something, man. Like, I thought you were done. I just thought you were done. Like, I, like I'm just so impressed. Cause I remember the interview. I was just really impressed by what he was saying. You know, we've all heard him. I don't know you talk about how, how – how just how his honesty just comes out but i, I talked to him and he, he looked at me he said and i told him i was like, dude, it's so impressive Man, just keep it up and he looked at me he goes dude like, and he said this in a, and this, i know it sounds bad but he says i'm just too dumb to give up that's all i'm just too dumb you know and like but he says it in a very straight guy non, very, yeah in like you know, a in very
1: that, meaningful and meaningful thoughtful way and and I, I, like- I understood
3: what he meant and like I'm just, I just, I love the Anthony Smith story. I'm so happy for that guy. Um, I don't know him. I just watch his interviews. We've interviewed him a couple times, you know, you know, whatever. So, yeah, I'm just, I love the Anthony Smith story. And if he gets a couple more wins, the the problem is like, I want to believe in him more. I just don't think he's like a top five light heavyweight. But man, he's so good, and I just love his story. I'm happy. I'm happy he's. I'm happy he's happy making the money. He's happy. I'm happy he's happy. Doing his TV stuff, and um, it's just—he's a, a feel-good story, and uh, I hope I—I get I, I, you saw the tweet. I just hope fans appreciate him. That's all. He's—he's a—he's a unique character, and uh, yeah, I love it. And he,
1: he's that genuine
3: in real life. Yeah, like yeah. I, every so time say, I've so, ever so, talked to him, I come away from it just being so impressed with yeah. him, just as a, a human. It's it's pretty wild, man. And and he gets it too. I remember when he fought Rashad before the fight. He's he was like, you know, he was talking, you know, I'm gonna beat Rashad. But as soon as I beat him, everyone's gonna say you beat up an old guy. You beat up an old guy. And sure enough, people said that. And he said, but I'm ready for that, you know, and I'll beat Rashad, and then I'll move on to the next one.
4: Like he 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 sees incredibly self
1: aware. He's yeah, super
4: self self aware. It's just like. He's a good dude the only time I've ever heard him like cut a heel promo not it was this wasn't a heel promo but just a really angry promo was the first time I interviewed him is right it was right after he beat Leonardo Gomez in his first fight back with the UFC and we talked about his whole story and it was just blown away and he told me the story I was like, well who do you want to fight like if there's anybody in this division you want to fight like who is it?" He wanted to fight Derek Brunson so bad. He had like a run in with Derek Brunson in an elevator, and like Brunson <laughs> shunned him. Like Anthony Smith said, "Hey, what's up, Derek?" And Derek just like kind of giggled at him, and Anthony Smith just like unloaded on him. And from that point forward, I was like, I have to see Anthony Smith fight mm-hmm. Derek Brunson. And then he moved up to two hundred five. We never got to see it, but that was classic. It was probably like five or six years ago when I when, had that conversation. When
3: Anthony Smith was on the uh, the post show with uh, Karen Bryant and Tyron Woodley and uh, Joban, um, he said something, you know, everyone was against me, you know, they didn't believe in me. And Tyron Woodley was like, we all thought you were going to kind of win tonight. And, but then Tyron Woodley goes, you know what, I get it. You need that chip on your shoulder. That's, that's what motivates you. And, um, and you know, usually I'm kind of like, ah, fighters are damn on this. I think sometimes it's overblown, but like, I really enjoy Tyron Woodley just looking at goes, Oh, I get, I, I understand what you're saying. Cause like all of us, I mean, he was a favorite. I picked Anthony Smith to win, but he still needs that you know that chip They're like They don't believe in me They think I suck You know And um, I love it I
0: just love it I mean, I, I'll just like, say uh, <laughs> Anthony Smith Was like the first Big interview I did When I joined The MMA fighting team It's been Four years ago now um, Before After the Sanchez win Before the Ahead of the Hector Lombard fight And I remember Again, this is... I mean, I'm still nobody, but I, when I was really nobody back then. <laughs> and, <laughs> oh, okay. oh, Wow. Uh, you You're know, somebody no, in our hearts, I was, AK. I was just starting off the MMA fighting. And, uh, and, and, and Anthony Smith, at the same time, was just starting to... This is before light heavy, with the light heavyweight move, so it was kind of just starting to still get his footing in his second run with the UFC. But I remember interviewing him and thinking like, man, if this guy, like get some wins and strings some wins together he really could be a star and, and, and I mean going around we have some bias when we you know interview anybody we kind of like you know there's a bit of a rooting for them but there was definitely something special about him and and I was really surprised that like uh, this is a guy who was such a veteran and I'm like I'm like he should be this is a guy he should be a journeyman but there was a, a spark there and uh, and I'm like man if he actually gets some wins together and and gets a run going this is a guy who's going to be a name you see I never thought he'd compete for a title that was completely surprising but there's, I think anyone has who has interviewed him um, feels the same way that it's like, wow, there's he's different, like this this guy is different, and uh, and uh, you know one of those special,
4: one of those special athletes in MMA. I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead and say. It. And just remember, Anthony, there's only one person here who picked Ryan Spann, and that is Alexander Kaylee.
0: All right, listen, I did, who's, Who remembers these things? Who remembers <laughs> these things? Why would you bring that up? I was dude. I was over on all the big fights. I I picked Romero. I picked uh, Ryan's fan, and and, and, and watch, I picked Devin and I picked Devin Clark. Do you watch MMA?
1: This is the man
3: who does our yeah,
0: predictions the website. I mean, I don't, I don't, I'm i the only one who is like on record publicly with the picks who has to take this from the people all the time. And they only remember when you're wrong, guys. Yeah, they, they do. They only this is remember true. when you're this wrong. They don't give you credit when you're right, and then you just got to show up every time. <laughs>
1: What's happening right now? AK's like melding down. <laughs> That's a
0: came okay. Out. okay. Um, uh, right, Deanna so Bennett.
4: Deanna Bennett got Deanna
0: me. Bennett, yeah. yes. Ugly ugly yes. cry. Ugly yes. cry.
4: Yeah, yeah. Oh. All right, so real quick, we'll, we'll take a couple questions, but yeah. uh good win for Smith. Iwan Kutsalaba, good win. Ariane Lipsky needed that one really badly. Armand Sarukian, good Ooh. lord, what oh, a performance. Nice. Oh
1: my goodness, Sam, no
4: case fight. I love it. Lived up, yeah, lived up to that. Uh, to, to being the biggest it, it, favorite it on the card, end. he needed a finish, he needed a performance like that. He got it. Nate Maness with an incredible comeback oh, win, geez. and then Joaquin Buckley with another incredible comeback win because I yeah. thought he was losing that entire fight until he got the knockout. So, uh, Sean, let's begin with you because this is one of those cards where it was very top heavy. There were a lot of competitive fights, there were a couple of names that we we're very interested in. If you had to choose, like a sixth player award, like you're an NBA fan, a sixth player award for this card, like the under the radar star of UFC Vegas 37, who would you pick and why?
1: Under the radar, that's a good question. I mean, ultimately, you it might be one guy you just mentioned, which is Armin Sarukian. I think I, I'm probably butchering the last name right, but my God, man, like that dude is going to be a problem. In this UFC lightweight division, for years to come, like I am absolutely full-on believer at this point. We even saw it with his debut against Islam Makachev, where he kind of like gave Islam a surprisingly like competitive fight, and it's like that should have been the first sign to a lot of people like what this guy could actually be. But he has just looked like a monster since. And really, the whole problem so far with his, with his UFC career is he just hasn't been finishing people, right? And then come in today in what was kind of a showcase fight, like you mentioned, the odds. I love it when the UFC does this. They don't do it nearly enough in my mind. They don't let these kind of prospects get these kind of showcase fights because that's what we get when you do that. When you make that booking, you get him looking outrageously good, knocking this guy out in, two, in less than two and a half minutes. And now who isn't excited to see Armin and really work his way up the ranks, right? Like he is absolutely my star of this card in terms of underrated fighters coming in. And I cannot wait. To see where he is, where he sort of lands next in this lightweight division, because this division is stacked. It's always one of the most talent-rich divisions in the entire sport. But right now, when you got hungry young guy, killers like him coming up, oh, I love it. I absolutely love it.
4: Yeah, him and Tapori are two guys who could who could fight for titles. Tapori is the one, obviously at featherweight, but those are two guys who you got to keep an eye on. So, Ak, who is yours? Who is your six-player award for UFC I mean, Vegas 37? I don't know. If she. I. I. I mean. It. I will definitely say she was flying under the radar because it feels like her
0: fight now was actually. I was just gonna say feels like her fight probably was like what six or seven hours ago now. Yeah. Uh, Aaron Blanchfield. I mean Aaron Blanchfield. One of the uh, one of the biggest fit betting favorites though. So it's not like people don't know about her. But she's what twenty two years old um she's amazingly accomplished already she, she won some fights in invicta she won a very close she sorry she lost a very close fight to tracy cortez which a lot of people thought she should have won so she should be undefeated she almost could have won uh, an invicta title uh she had a fight for a vacant title uh against uh, pearl gonzalez unfortunately pearl got uh 19 so that fight was just canceled and then um aaron blanchfield got the call up anyway so she never got that chance to fight for an Invicta title it did feel like um, she would have been favored in the pro Gonzalez fight yeah. and, and uh, have had a good chance to win but an amazing grappler she's a black belt at age 22 uh, she had a star making performance at uh, one of those EBIs, one of those uh, Eddie Bravo invitationals. I got everybody talking about her and then uh, a huge head kick at Victoria Leonardo. She's hit like all these, you know, we always talk about when someone's coming up as a star. So like, you got to hit all these check marks. So it's like, okay, she had this big grappling tournament. She won it. Um, can't she get a highlight finish? She got a highlight finish in Invicta, you know, for a major promotion. And then, okay, what about her UFC debut? You know, she's got all this hype behind her complete domination. She didn't get the finish. But again, I think Sarah Alpar is tougher than people are gonna are gonna realize or than her 0 2 record says. She just got herself some really tough fights for her first two UFC fights. And also again, Blanchfield is the real deal. I mean, this is someone who will be a world title contender. I'll be shocked if she doesn't compete for a UFC title um, sometime in the next two years. Hopefully, they can they can do a slow burn, and we're not even talking about that until like 2023. But Aaron Blanchfield lived up to the hype big time. So anyone who um, may not have caught the first uh, first few fights of the of the early prelims. I would definitely recommend please go check out the Blanchard um, Alpar fight if you want to see someone who's really young and really lived up to the hype. Uh great performance.
4: Dude, she threw like three hundred strikes, landed like yeah. two hundred of them, and then after <laughs> the fight was over, she got up and leisurely walked to the uh to the physician, was like, I'm cool. Didn't well, they even call take a deep I mean
0: breath. <laughs> her nickname is cold blooded, and she's like so level all the time. Like in interviews, like again, post fight interviews. She rarely it's almost scary. It's a it's a little scary. It's almost like the guy in that that uh what was that a free, free solo i think she might have that yeah. same <laughs> yeah. condi- honestly she might have that same condition he has because she just never she just rarely like shows that
4: kind of extreme emotion it's, it's it's really scary i feel like ak took yours casey but do you gotta was oh, that i can i can, I can even down? add more to aaron Blanchfield. Uh, yeah
3: she's just um first of all i'm excited that she's a she's a flyweight um are, are are we kind of the problem Shevchenko is just so ahead of everyone else right now at flyweight I think people kind of fans maybe media too I think the UFC in general kind of crap on the flyweight division like Shevchenko never gets a main event for a pay-per-view because there's no no there's, there's no compelling challenger there's no me. compelling yeah but um, they're coming they're coming that's on Aaron Blanchfield. Is one of them. Aaron Blanchfield is one of those. Those. I don't know. I don't know who her big inspiration was, but I feel like she was kind of that. Those. Those new Ronda Rousey movements. So they saw Ronda fight when she was like nine or twelve or something. I know, and she went to the gym, and she is just one of those women. Like I think Kay Hanson's one of those too. Um, I think she's better than Kay Hansen, but um, just one of those. They were just. This is what they've wanted to do ever since they were like a young teenager. 22. She looked amazing tonight. Um, yeah, I was just blown away. I, I knew how good Zerouki was, and that was the showcase fight. So, I mean, that was awesome. But um, excited for Aaron Blanchfield, and uh, yeah, can't wait. She's she's actually what she's what 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 the UFC was trying to say who Macy Barber was. I think is Aaron Blanchfield. Macy Barber was kind of this one mm-hmm. built up as like this, you know, she's gonna be the John Jones. I don't know. I'm not calling Aaron Blanchfield. John Jones of the flyweight division, but I think she's more on that route than um, than the UFC is hyping her. No, the UFC isn't giving her that same kind of hype, and I think she deserves it, rather.
4: Yeah, that maybe that's to today. I don't know. We'll see. There's a few 25ers right now that are making it. And Fioro, she's a little bit older, but Casey O'Neill is 23, yeah. about to turn 24, and I get Aaron Blanchfield, so the future's bright at 125. I'm going with Raquel Pennington for mine, not just because of the oh, performance. Oh, sure that whole fight flew under the radar but then just hearing the stories of her getting COVID and being on a freaking respirator like things i had no idea about that she, that she was battling and then to come back and you know have that grimy performance against uh pani kanzad who has been on a nice run that that was that was an impressive performance and then hearing sort of the backstory about how she got to that fight and i felt like that fight was flying under the radar anyways but to see raquel go in there and perform the way that she did Super impressed with her, so she would be my six-player award winner. So, there you go. We got some uh some compelling questions. We'll take guess, a few yes, before we do. we, uh, we do. We'll try to because it's so late.
1: Uh, ch- uh I will just point out one comment that I saw from a Mister Ed MSK who said, "A.K. Uh-oh. You make picks that bad again, and you're being relegated to one letter.
0: Oh, don't one letter. Don't acknowledge this person. Don't acknowledge this person." <laughs> I'm kidding. I love. I love all the commenters. I love all the commenters.
1: You can you can choose uh, whether it's an A or an a K, but that's what's at stake now. <laughs> how
4: and uh, how likely is Sarukyan's next fight against the winner of Dan Hooker versus Nasrat Hakparast or will he face another unranked opponent? Now, AK, you and I are going to have this discussion on on to the next one tomorrow, and I have a pick for this, and I'm going to save that for then. But Sean, what do you think? Do you think Sarukyan? We'll get the winner of that fight. And by the way, we don't even know if Dan Hooker is going to yeah. make it to that fight at this point. I think his visa issues are very public right now. Hopefully Monday, fingers crossed, he can get to Vegas by Thursday. It's going to be a rough fight week for that, man. But do, do, w- would you throw Saruki on the winner of Hooker and Hackpast? Or would you would you go a different direction after that performance tonight?
1: If it's up to me, I like that. I like that fight. I think actually Armin, that was one thing I even forgot to mention when I was talking about Armin is he sort of did the legwork early, right? Like he sort of planted those seeds coming into this fight. So he already had it set up to where Dan's like legitimately kind of upset at him and like actually wants to fight him, which like that's the biggest hurdle of all when you get to these really deep divisions is convincing a ranked guy to give you the shot. When you're, when you're not there, when you're sort of on that periphery of the division. So I would love that. I, I think Dan Hooker has, has had a really crazy slate of, of top contender fights and just like really tough, tough fights against the best guys in the division. And he is sort of due for the, a very similar like Anthony Smith-esque, hey, come back to the back of the line, work your way back up, fight a couple of these up-and-comers, and then we'll give you another top five guy. Like to me, if he, if he beats Nazrat, uh, even if he loses, like I would absolutely love to to see that fight. And that feels like a proper escalation for Armin to me, while not really messing with sort of Dan's trajectory as well. I actually really like that.
3: Casey, um, I I hope it's a hooker fight. I hope um, I'm, this is all the assumption. Hooker gets in gets in the country fine and makes weight fine, or yeah, whatever. That's all another thing. But um, yeah, uh, I hope Zerukan bites the guy ahead of him. That's all. Uh, yeah, I think we're I think we're done with the building him up. I think this was the, this is a big highlight they needed. You know, to kind of
1: yeah, it's the last little push before he's oh, he's going. He's he's running yeah. at this point. Doo, doo, doo.
4: <laughs> yeah, he needed to finish. He got it, and Jagos was uh, had three fight winning streak heading into the fight too. So
3: this okay. This next question, this next question might seem kind of crazy, but I don't know.
4: Is Jake Paul versus Yo Romero a possible match? should now be considering both showtime just saying. AK you're yeah, not of course yeah the yeah, hell's yeah <laughs> you put
1: that on, you put that on the poster and it sells that, itself oh my god you put that, that Adonis, that 44 year old Adonis, glisten him up that's a, that's
3: it it's sold imagine them facing off and you know and you're well just going huh. Oh God. Go. The promos. Go. You, yeah.
1: Give me like a, a, a table read where it's Ariel in the middle yeah. of just Yoel and Jake Paul. And Yoel's just grunting and like saying one word answers the entire time and staring him dead in the eyes. Like I'm so in on that. That'll get 5 million YouTube views tomorrow.
0: Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm down. <laughs> Respect <laughs> I'm just, to I'm Jake just, Paul. takes like, that. Like Jake listen, Paul's not going to take that fight. My, my, my only issue with the question is it shouldn't be considering. Is it the matchup that we should now be hoping for? Cause then a resounding yes. Uh, this is, this is what it should be next for. No, I mean, look, there's a lot of good matchups for, uh, for, uh, Jake Paul, his team has him and his team have done a really good job of picking their opponents so far. I do think Romero might be a little bit of a bridge too far, but I also don't, I honestly, again I don't, I wouldn't like assume that Romero would like kill him. This is where we are with the no Jake Ball yeah. experience now. Jake, so, Jake could uh, very
1: well uh, win that fight, right? Like he could
3: versus that Cuban boxing. Who knows? I don't know. I just, I I just saw the question. I was like, that's just,
0: Oh, wait, hold, hold, Let me think about this. <laughs> let's put it out there. Yeah. Let's put <laughs> it out there in the universe. Let's be, let's be responsible for this when this happens. Yeah. If there's uh, any, if there's any like does.
1: possible opponent that could put the fear of God into Jake, just in the pre yeah, it, It's <laughs> that man. Like you, I, all of us have been, I would imagine, at Media Days with Yoel Romero. That dude is the most intimidating human being to speak to ever. Like it's just crazy. Like we talk to professional cage fighters for a living, and I think I've never been as scared yeah, as I, I have. just to talk to Yoel Romero. Like he's such an intimidating dude in person.
3: I'm like, I'm like, thank God this is a scrum because I, I, I don't know if I can handle a one on one. You know? You...
1: Yeah, like uh, I'll talk you're... to Francis a hundred times yeah. without feeling scared. I know, it's uh... like. You... <laughs>
2: <laughs> the Just purest in
4: God. me wants t- to see the Anderson fight. I want to see the Anderson Jake Paul fight. That's the purest in me, but. Sean, you sold me. Ariel in the middle, those two having like the table talk, right? right and you all just staring a hole through him. Just oh, give him the crazy
0: eyes the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> Lucky, he, he, he knocks out Yoel and then maybe, you know, you know Jorge Masvidal has to, has to join in, you know, like, oh, you know. But for my, Well, my fellow Cuban? Yeah, my fellow Cuban, yeah. you know. It's oh, like, my God. Oh, no. I didn't even now, think about the, just, the Masvidal. Like, Masvidal can't he fight. can't do the fight oh, because God, of the UFC,
3: but it. he can be the valet, you know. He can be right there, okay. you know. <laughs>
0: I mean, we could just go full
1: circus and do a Masvidal Romero tag team. They switch every round. Mm -hmm. First round's Masvidal, Um, second round's Romero.
0: We're getting them both
3: in the lead up against Jake and Logan. (laughs) Yeah. And (laughs) against Paul
4: Brothers. It's both balls. It books itself. (laughs) Yes, we should absolutely be considering that fight. (laughs) All right, a few more comments. Uh, Hybrid Impact 83. (laughs) If you think Phil Davis is boring, you don't know MMA. (laughs) MMA -hmm. is mixed for a reason. As Casey likes Mm to say, it is the mixing of the martial arts. Oh, yeah. And Phil yeah. Davis mixes those martial arts and does it very effectively. So, yes, Hybrid Impact 83, I'm with you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't like to go as far as saying, like, oh, if you don't appreciate a certain fighter, you don't know MMA. I always feel that's a little strong. But I would say you are you're maybe uh, have maybe a sort of somewhat myopic view of MMA, uh, at least as far as what you find entertaining. And, again, we all love Rock'em Sock'em stuff. We all love bizarre kind of freak show stuff. Um, and we love it. Also, when people are like like are really able to dominate with their technical skills. Maybe that's what Phil Davis is missing. Sometimes he's not like super dominant, but I thought he was dom- pretty dominant tonight. Uh, again, it was not a split decision. No. Uh, I thought the fight with Nemkov was, was really good. Was really competitive. So I'm not sure what more you can ask from a guy like Phil Davis. He's not going to be doing you know Michelle Pajera, like jumping off the fence, Superman punches and stuff like that. It's just he's not going to be doing like Capoeira kicks. That's not what he does. That's not especially. He's a great wrestler who's become a great MMA fighter. And I I don't know how that's not entertaining to people. Like I'm not, again, he's not in fight of the year candidates or anything, but he is an enjoyable fighter to watch.
1: Come on. AK, you don't know how that's not entertaining. Like, it's very clear how it's not entertaining to some people i'm fine, like I could watch Phil yeah. Davis fight and it's whatever, but like yeah. I understand people who say that they're not fans of of the way he approaches it
0: like it's very i, I, I think I, boring is too much. I think not a fan is one thing. I think saying he's boring is what gets me i think I'm, I'm addressing this specific question. I do think if you say he's boring, I do think it's a bit and we hear
3: good. we hear we do hear that a lot about it. Uh, yeah. i i, I don't it. I don't watch stick and ball sports that much, but would you call Phil Davis like a Tim duncan kind of like in a way, I think it's a
0: really Yeah, that, I think I, I, I mean I yeah I know I think that's a fair compare. I think obviously I'm a huge Tim I mean, Duncan fan. I, I think Tim Duncan's really entertaining, but there was a huge if people remember the heyday of Tim Duncan. Oh my lord! And enta- a huge section of the fan base that's just like Tim Duncan is boring. And I'm like, what? Like, so so again, maybe I'm. I know I mean, not 100% I about, I'm, I'm not a hundred percent wrong, but bo- in that kind of I'm, area. A, I'm a boring person. Uh, <laughs> and just GSP... GSP, GSP GSP in his prime got – I always thought GSP was a really strong comparison to Tim Duncan because he also got the same crap during his championship run. I, I don't know if people are forgetting this because of you know his legacy now and he's one of the greatest of all time. But during his run, he got so much criticism for being boring. Um, so that's. I think that's a more than a fair comparison.
1: I mean, Tim Duncan is the greatest power forward of all time. It seems yeah, a, little it's, it's a little crazy I know, I know to say.
3: Yeah, but I understand no, the. Yeah.
1: GSP to me feels like the Tim Duncan of MMA, but I understand where you're coming from. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, was, GSP, was, yeah.
3: I, I'm sure there was other ones, but I stopped watching sports at a certain point, and Tim Duncan sure. still my <laughs> reference point. <Yeah. laughs> I,
4: I, I would compare Phil Davis more to like a Kevin McHale or a Bill Walton. Like kind of in that, we're really showing our a, age up in, there. Right? World. we yeah. are. I <laughs> I'd put them more in that. I thought category. it was like a modern, a modern comparison. But
1: Bill Walden yeah. was flashy as hell. Bill yeah. Walden was at doing times, all sorts of flash
4: at times, just like Phil Davis. At times, when he needed to be. Yeah, we, we're not. We're not. I see some of the comments. We're not
0: saying as the, the level of accomplishments, of course not. But we're saying as far as how they're regarded by the public, like yeah. the, in in, that, in a broad in a broad sense. I think that's that's makes sense. Like no one bought a ticket. To go
3: see Tim Duncan play basketball, was, you you watch him. Go. Oh, I don't. A lot, would lot would of people
1: in would, San Antonio. Would, but well, outside of, of San Antonio, outside. Season of
4: season of that. That. I forget it. Forget it. I, yeah, I dude, was not A lot dude. of people, <laughs> but. it's a big stadium too. <laughs> yeah, no, no. He was, oh, he was yeah. definitely a Adam very popular
0: player. But the the on court product always got like from non San Antonio fans always got like this weird like flack for not being like the most thrilling thing, which is ridiculous because winning and winning is always exciting. I think. But okay, sorry, I meant to say
3: who who would win. In a kickboxing match, Tim Duncan or yeah. Phil Davis? It's yeah. Oh, Andrew, sorry, I we gonna, remember I mean, Tim Duncan when he was, he was doing that? That was kickboxing. Yeah. I mean, he, where, how's he doing? Uh, all right, we've gone over an hour. You guys are. You guys need to go to sleep. I think a lot of Phil Davis is too much. Yeah. Hold
4: Out on. Hold on. Hey, hold on. And here we go. Yes. Oh, the closing music. You know what that means? Sean's shaking his head, and that means we're going. uh We're going to do more work, everybody. Hopefully you guys can get a good night rest after 26 or 27 fights. And uh, we'll have more to discuss throughout the week on all of our various programs here on MMAfighting.com. Of course, Ariel Hawani back with the MMA Hour on Monday, 1 p.m. And I'm sure we'll be talking about that card, the UFC card, and much more. But until then, everybody, AK and I will see you tomorrow for on to the next one. For AK, for Casey, for Sean, I am Mike Heck. Good night, everybody.
0: Phil Davis would enjoy this music, I feel like. I yeah. think this is what for Phil Davis would <laughs> <laughs> get. <laughs> this was a walkout song. You know? Yeah, I think it was, yeah.
4: You're listening to
3: the Vox Media Podcast Network.
2: What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself.